Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I wanted to introduce to you a series I did earlier this year called the Luminary Talks. I invited my colleagues, my mentors, and my friends to give us lectures and inspirational information during this very paradigm-shifting time, which where I feel there's a huge opportunity to reframe how we look at medicine and illness and empower each other today. So I hope that you take this journey and learn from these inspired luminaries and enjoy this series. Hi, everyone. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation and Zach is really kicking off the series of conversation that I have felt inspired to put together as we all are navigating this very unique and unprecedented time. We're just trying to a venue to feel inspired and hopeful and to really process you know, what we're all going through. And Zach is a dear friend and colleague for a number of years, and he's really an expert in this psycho-emotional world. And we wanted to start off our series, and I've we're calling them the future of health and luminary talks and this idea around inviting luminaries like Zach. So I see luminaries as, you know, really inspirational leaders that are experts in their field. And I feel so blessed to know so many of them. And I really want to share that information with you all in this format. So Zach is really going to lead us. We want to talk about a bunch of different things and really whatever is on Zach's heart today, but we really want to tackle this psycho-emotional impact of this pandemic. And as practitioners and physicians, we just really acknowledge that this part of the work is maybe the most important whenever we're looking at health or, you know, the ecosystem that we're all in. And so I'm going to just to let uh, Zach take it from here. And I want to give Zach an opportunity just to introduce himself. He's in Portland right now. So he and I are both in the Northwest and he's speaking from Portland. And I just want to give you the floor, Zach, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself for people who might not know you yet. And then we'll, we'll dive in. Yeah, I just want to start by saying thank you, first of all, for the just incredibly generous introduction, and also to immediately just offer my deepest appreciation to medical professionals who are on the front line, to whom we are all incredibly indebted and grateful, um, who continue to see patients, um, the most vulnerable among us, throughout this pandemic. So to you, to all the other doctors who we love, um, those serving those who need it the most, you know, you have our love and respect and gratitude. And that first and foremost is what I wanted to share. Thank you, Zach. And I just, um, as you know, we have such a dedicated and passionate and really brave team, I think taught us a lot around how to navigate courage and, you know, fear and bravery uh, when we are met with such challenges as what we, we've never really come in contact up until now, but our, our physicians and practitioners are really ready and willing and able to help people. And I just admire that so much. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so welcome and you deserve it. Um, you know, uh, if it's okay with you, Dr. Schaffner, I might just skip over my own introduction, although I will say for a second that I have worked in the transformational healing field for, I mean, going on it's between 15 and 20 years at this point, And I'm, really passionate about healing at the deeper psychological, psycho-emotional, psycho-spiritual levels. And I've always seen, frankly, since the 60s, since the first awakening that we had, and those who are in the you know, modern counterculture of psychedelics are thinking that we're actually approaching a second 60s, and we're hoping that we get this one right because of every, all the collateral damage that took place then, even though that was an awakening in the West. And I've seen that this transformational process that we've gone through individually has been attempting to be birthed collectively for some time now. And maybe that's where I'll start with the good news, which is that's an opportunity that is on hand right now. And many, many individuals who I will not list and many organizations that I will not go through have you know, predicted certain tipping points like this for a number of years now. And we've just been wondering where it was going to show up and in what way. And this is one of the ways that it is showing up. So the good news is that this is, as the Japanese have in that term for crisis, a synonym for 
opportunity. That's the Japanese word for crisis. It's the same as opportunity. And that really is what we're experiencing now. And, you know, I, I thought a lot about how I might kick this off to really give everyone a meta perspective in the way that I see it archetypally and psychologically, because the Sophia community is a very sophisticated bunch of people. And I'm not simply going to run through, you know, some of the standard psycho-spiritual recommendations that are just a dime a dozen, and, and we're grateful that they are on the internet today, because even your average patient is practically an expert in like the vagus nerve and, you know, parasympathetic states. So I'm not going to go there, you know, because we have all of that on hand, but I thought it might be useful to give people kind of a walkthrough of where we are and how we got here because we were already in a place that you could say was a kind of latent submerged pandemic before the coronavirus came along. Mm -hmm. And this has pushed us over into a whole nother sphere, but that is on the back of that. And so unless you want me to address anything else, Dr. Schaffner, I wouldn't mind just- I love it, I love it. I think that we're all craving a narrative and a framework to um, really understand this pandemic from that layer. I think that's the most empowering viewpoint to look at. So please dive in. Yeah. Um, and what this is really about for me is about establishing as, as relevant and as accurate, as difficult as that may be of a story, right? A meta story that we can actually synchronize ourselves to during this time, right? There's a wave that is happening now and it's collapsing and rattling so many different things in our lives, including first and foremost, our own nervous systems. What kind of wave can we attach to, to see us through this, this crisis into that opportunity? And to begin that, we have to begin to the life conditions before Corona, right? In which, as we know in Sophia, chronic autoimmune dysfunctions, ongoing nervous system dysregulation, depression, anxiety, all of that stuff, we're already at record highs. Right? and increasing at an ex exponential rate to say nothing of the cascade of effects that that has over the entire socioeconomic system, right? Um, all of that was taking place. And to really understand that, we actually have to go back to a time in all of our lives, all of us alive today, all of us who are listening to this, where we first awoken to existential suffering. That's really where it comes down to. There was a time and we see it now with young people everywhere. We certainly see it with the very heartbreaking crisis of young men that we see that is a real thing and that has been spoken about in many circles for many years now. But we have to go back to that time when we first awoken to existential suffering. And most of us may not have been entirely aware of it, but it was there usually in the teens and the early twenties as a kind of background throb, right? that really ushered us into our existential awareness and the current human condition, you could say, of the 20th and 21st century, right? Following just a long train of atrocities and world wars, right? That we just kind of stepped into and was just there in the kind of collective soup, right? That is not really part of our education outside of a very bland, historical reading by our teachers, right? And so to be really clear about this, words don't do justice to that, that fear, that undercurrent of fear and confusion and helplessness that was built in us and created in us and given to us because of this time on the planet that we ushered into. And not just because of that, but also because in response to that, our first initial reaction was to look for solace and sanctuary um, to the people who were around us, right? To who we looked to for help. And what we, most of us found, right? And this is no disparagement to those around us and this is no critique whatsoever. It just kind of has been the way it was is that those who we looked to mostly were just as confused and disconnected, uh, not just from us, but from themselves, right? And they did the best they could, right? And what that actually, produced in us was that we all ended up looking to what became this global industrial distraction machine, you could call it, 
It's a global industrial distraction machine. And that's the best that we have come up to, to support our nervous systems and our deep psychological structures with the kind of catastrophe of the 20th and 21st century. And it kind of is. As much as I should also say, we have done the best that we can. There's no critique here, right? You know, as evolution has gone, we have actually gone better. People like Steven Pinker, right, wrote, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages about all the ways in which we're actually getting better. And we are, and we know this. And I won't go through that list. You can just look it up. You know, mortality rates are, you know, down and life expectancy is up. And so many different things have happened, but there has been a collateral damage. And there has been something that has kind of been part of the trailing edge of our of our evolution, the, the part that has been the hardest for us. And why is it the hardest? Well, because the deep psyche is invisible and it's silent and it's hard to see and it's hard to understand. And Freud only kind of brought us the unconscious a hundred years ago. And we're still not teaching it in school, except very lightly, perhaps as in a master's program. And so all of that is kind of moving in the soup and this global industrial distraction machine comes along. And that has been the thing that we have turned to for our rite of passage for our self-regulation. Once again, no critique, no, no disparagement of any of this. It's just the way it has been. And so here we've had this array of already, kind of you could call it ready packaged solutions to your existential agony, right? That if you feel pain, we will give you an array of things not to feel pain. If you don't know what to do, we'll tell you what to do. You know, if you don't know who you are, we'll give you a role, right? And so for most of us, this has been very much part of where we have gone to pre-corona, right? pre-corona. And so one of the ways that I've begun to think about it is, you know, if, if you wanted mission pre-corona, you, you know, you were given a job. And if you wanted self-worth, you, you, you were offered status symbols. And if you wanted communion, you got dopamine hits from all the ways that we know. And if you wanted peace, the global distraction machine got, gave you escapism. Now, thankfully, because of the mindful revolution, things have already changed substantially, right? But there's still a huge part of that that has been going on that was built up like a kind of false self, a kind of false scaffolding to our nervous systems, right? And I, I say this knowing that the community that we talk to have already been making this transition. All of us have been making a transition slowly in our lives from the false scaffolding into a slightly, you know, a better one, kind of a more authentic one. And that has been the process. And what's really interesting is that Corona has been breaking all that down and accelerating it, right? So with all of the good that capitalism has brought us, it has brought us really kind of one of the problem childs of consumerism, right? That's one of the things that it's really provided us with, right? And just like you could almost say, there's a few analogies I've got here to give people a really grounded example of how this reflects to the psyche. Just like in the financial markets, our psycho-spirituality left the gold standard a long time ago, you know? And since then we've been in a bubble, right? We've lost some of the old ideas of ritual, of ceremony the coming of age rituals, the psycho-spiritual rituals, right? And the scaffolding of our psyches have been like heavy metals from the global distraction machine, right? That's been like heavy metals and toxins that as you know, you know better than I do, that bind to the receptor sites within us that actually are in need of true minerals. So the receptor sites, they have to bind to something. And if you don't have zinc and magnesium and everything we actually need, if you don't have the psycho-emotional, psycho-spiritual minerals that need to retract to those receptor sites, we'll go out and we'll find something else, right? We'll find aluminum and mercury from a psycho-emotional and spiritual perspective, right? As a metaphor. And this is what, you know, we've had as a collective and it's been really difficult. And we've been kind of trying to get ourselves off of kind of that, how could you call it unsustainable path to more sustainable resources. Right? And that's been globally what's been happening for you know, a few decades now. And what got even worse, just to really give ourselves a lot of compassion, is that in the process of trying to do this, the digital age dawned. So if you didn't have compassion for yourself and for all of us who were going through this before, you really, really have it now to feel, and especially for the young people today, especially for those who grew up, even not us, you and I, Dr. Schaffner, 
we grew up kind of, we had a little bit, not really pre-internet, but it was kind of just beginning, right? When we were kind of growing up. The digital age came along and suddenly alongside that global distraction machine, suddenly were recruited legions, legions of engineers who were also in pain, also looking for a solution, who gave their lives to honing algorithms of this distraction, addiction, and dependency model, right? To kind of just kind of hone just the right bait and digital switch to hook us, right? Into those models that did not serve the nervous system, that kept us in a fight or flight, right? Everything that we were taught to want, but not necessarily what we needed, right? And that was the state of the fair. We were kind of at peak global distraction machine. And once again, I, I kind of say this, I, I, I used to say this to a lot of people for a while, I still do. You know, if you find difficulty staying off social media, because at some point you start to realize that it's, you know, sucking the lifeblood from you, which is a very normal thing to feel, even though there is community and a lot of good to be found in certain ways within that, we, we accept that. There's no baby in bathwater, uh, you know, distinction here. Um, if you had difficulty with that, realize that you're struggling against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who are working against you. And actually, and I know where all of these people have learned their trade skills because they've learned it from the same people that I learned it from. Right? Marketers and the algorithm designers, they know the deep psyche. They don't know it in a way that they understand how to free it, but they know how to wrangle it. And so every time you feel that, you know, you get depressed that why don't I have the free will? Well, because it's you against a thousand, right? And they've been trained to understand the psyche probably better than you. I mean, they're getting paid top salaries and they've been taught and they go to conferences. It's very, very difficult, right? So that's just one other element. And so I kind of get back to the point that then Corona dropped and we were already at this bifurcation point. We were already struggling to make this transition. And then Corona came along. And what did it do? It kind of gave it a titanic blow to the global distraction machine, right? And to all the ways in which we have been relaxing ourselves artificially, grounding ourselves, and managing the state of the world through the relief patterns that it has given us, right? And so what we have here is we're probably going to fall into two categories. There's going to be a spectrum, but there are going to be two main categories of those who you could say the distraction machine was taken out at the knees too quickly, too soon, and who have to hold on, kind of white knuckle, grip their way through this process, hoping that we can get back to the status quo quickly. Right? Like I have not been ready to suddenly be at home right? Unable to go out, to go to the bar, to go to this, to do that, to kind of all the ways that I actually manage my nervous system. I wasn't ready to suddenly, suddenly make the shift. And now suddenly I'm being invited to kind of try and do that, to kind of bootstrap my way through that. That's understandable. And we have to support those people and care for them. We have to not judge them in any way, shape or form. There's a whole spectrum here and we're on it in one way or another. The second category are those who actually kind of been waiting for this or wanting this or who are ready for this. And they're ready to embark on that journey, right? So this is the time for those of you who are there to really step into that power, right? Because one of the most valuable currencies you can have in a global pandemic is a well-regulated nervous system. It's one of the best assets in your portfolio. And I will end, maybe one of the things that I'll say here is with probably four really deep archetypal symbols that have come out of this whole process. And I, I think that's interesting because I'm really passionate about archetypes. You know, archetypes are these, these symbols that have endured for thousands of years. You know, there's a reason that, you know, the Bible is still out there. There's a reason that we still talk about myths, you know, and the best creatives on the planet still are reworking myth. Like why myth? Why biblical stories? Because back in the day, right, this is why this is so important. 
is because we didn't understand the psyche then. No one was really talking about the psyche. And I know this because I know the history of the development of the psyche. But what happened was, is that we told stories. We rendered our understanding of the psyche without really realizing we were doing so in stories. That's why it's so valuable. So if you want to understand what the original psyche for the Greeks was, what was it? It was a pantheon of gods, of subpersonalities who were, ev who were nasty and jealous and paradoxical and contradictory and perverted and abusive. And at the top of the, at the, of the egoic structure was Zeus, total asshole. I mean, really, I mean, a complete tyranny. God bless, you know, the Greeks who came up with that, but they were, all they were doing was just rendering what the psyche was. And what you had was, yeah, this, this riot of subpersonalities vying for power. Remind you of anything? Does that sound like a reflection of anything that we've been swimming in over the past few decades and hundreds of years? We've been working with that. And that has evolved over time, right? It didn't, it didn't stay that way. And so I give you just four archetypal symbols to inform us about what's going on that I've been exploring and discussing with some of the communities of which I work with and, and move in. The first one is, this is a plague, you know? And even before I say that, I'll say, one of the reasons that we should be hopeful as well, and there are many reasons to be hopeful, is this is the first time the world has been synchronized. It's the first time that the world has been synchronized. I'm not gonna say against a common enemy, but you could say that. And we've been trying, the projections have been trying to go to blame here or there or there, but it's actually kind of helpful for, for us as a humanity to be synchronized in one way. We've been waiting for that. You know, frankly, some of the conspiracy theorists over the years have thought that that was going to happen with alternate life. You know, really, I mean, that was a big narrative that was out there. I'm glad it was a virus because of the first time we actually can come together. And hear what it is, right? The first archetypal single, it's a plague. It's a plague. We know this in the collective unconscious because it's one of the original biblical stories. What was the original biblical story, if some of you remember? It was that God, right? And I don't say this in a theological sense, right? I say this, I'm approaching this as a metaphorical story of psyche revealing itself through myth, Right? and through, anal through uh, analogy, through biblical parable, okay? God, right, the source, came to Pharaoh, the tyrannical ruler, and said, you've enslaved my people. Remind you of anything? And I don't mean just externally, I mean internally in the ego sense, right? You've enslaved my people. A tyrannical ruler has enslaved my people. Let them go, or I'm going to send a plague. And then he did and said, um, I want them, the people, to stop worshiping the false god and to worship the true god, right? That's a really interesting parable, right? A tyrannical leader falsely scaffolding the psyche, like a kind of conditioned ego. And the story is, God came in and said, free my people and I will, I will or else I will bring a plague. And he brought 10 plagues. And what actually happened to Pharaoh was, the phrase was, his heart was hardened many times. And that's what we cannot do. Do not let your heart harden. Do not let your heart harden. The second interesting archetypal symbol is, and this kind of has seeped out a little bit. I've noticed that people have been talking about it in certain ways. One way of looking at it is we were all sent to our rooms, you know. Another way of looking at it is we were all told to return home. That's what we've been told collectively. We've been all told to return home. And over the course of human history, there's only one fundamental reason to return home. It's to put your house in order. You know, the greatest homecoming story we have comes from Homer and the Odyssey and Ulysses, this long, long, fabulous, fabulous story of returning home. And what did Ulysses, after all his troubles and trials, find when he got home? He found a house in disorder. He found suitors, subpersonalities, 
complexes, projections, right? Abusing his wife, the divine feminine, the age of Aquarius, okay? The rise of feminism and disparaging his son, Telemachus, right? The inner child, putting the inner child to work, okay? And what did Odysseus do? Well, we won't go into the details of it, but simply put, he took his bow. He took his bow and he loosened his arrows, right? He took aim and he loosened his arrows. And that's what we must do in a generic sense, in a generative sense, in a holistic sense, in a healing sense, right? The master came back home, the rightful master, the rightful ruler came back home and put the house in order. So that's the silver lining here, and that's the invitation. The third symbol that came to us that is just really fascinating is the washing of hands. Now, of course, we need to wash our hands, we know that. But in the collective psyche, what does it mean to wash your hands with something, right? It's archetypal. It comes all the way back once again to the Bible and to what Pontius Pilate did when he condemned Jesus to death, right? When he saw he was getting nowhere with the crowd, he said, tried to wrangle the crowd and he condemned the higher self, the Christ consciousness, the authentic leader to death. And there was an uproar and he said, I wash my hands. It's your responsibility. One of the greatest projections we've ever seen in our entire human history. So here we have a reflection of what we've seen everywhere and in some and many ways in ourselves. It's one of the things we all struggle with, the collective denial, right? The collective denial. It'll be over by Easter, you know, maybe a few more weeks. Don't worry about it. No, we have to stare at it and we have to be okay with that and give ourselves a big enough space to hold the truth of this, right? To wash our hands, of course, really means to try and dismiss it from our attention and pay it no further heed. To try and project the pain and the grief and all the things that come up with this onto someone else, right? And so in summary, we have a plague that is a kind of wake up call to the false leader, right? To the scaffolded ego to invite the higher self back home. We're invited to wash our hands, but at the same time, not reverse ourselves from it. And I can see someone is saying the fourth, yeah, the fourth is coming. The fourth is the virus itself, right? The corona, right? The crown, the coronation, right? And if you really think about it, what is the most foundational and enduring coronation that any of us will ever really encounter in our lives? In a really true deep sense, it's probably not when Prince William takes the throne, right? As much as that will be a really fun event. It probably won't be. It's certainly not a presidency, right? The true coronation that is gonna be the most impactful for all of us is the moment that we develop and usher in that higher self into the madness and riot of the psyche and the collective psyche so that it can begin to finally wrangle and regulate like Odysseus coming home, the subpersonalities, the complexes, the projections, right? So that in a time of, let's say, quarantine, a time of space where you are on your own or you are with your family, your biggest demons do not come from within. Because that, I think, is one of the things that many of us are struggling with today, right? Is to actually be with what is within, right? And so as challenging as that is, it's really the invitation that we have had for centuries now you know? And once again, it's being invited, and it's perhaps unbidden, and it's a little bit too early for many of us, but that is one of the ideas of, that is 
asking to be promulgated throughout the psycho-spiritual ecosystem within us and as a collective. And just to also be clear, we've had many individuals over the centuries who have done this and who have been exemplars for us. We've seen them. And if you think about it, while we have done it well on the individual level, what has happened every time it's risen from the individual to the collective? Jesus was an example of coming to the collective and we crucified him. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. was an example of that higher self coming to the collective and we eliminated him. Gandhi survived, Mother Teresa survived, many, many others survived, but most of them come up and what happens? Zeus strikes them down. You know, the false leader strikes them down as a threat to their throne, right? To perpetuate the tyranny, the authoritarianism. And that is, I'll end perhaps with something that I think behooves us all to really just bring back into our consciousness, which was, you know, one of the original just really fabulous, really just shocking and stunning revelations of the original esoteric wisdom that really came out of the earliest, earliest times is that all is mind, right? From the early hermetics, hermeticism, Hermes Trismegistus, you know, the deep, deep, deep hermeticism that came from early Egypt, as far back as we can go, whatever, the earliest codified examples of, of psycho-spirituality it was all his mind. And this is one of the things that can really support us in this time, right? The fractal nature of all his mind. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll be very, very clear. I'm not going to give you some kind of riddleist metaphor to just kind of sit with. Your psyche within you and the configuration of that team and that hierarchy is reflected into your partnership. And then it is folded again into your family, into your children, reflected back to you then it is reflected back into the communities in which you live. And it also acts and reflects as a lens to the world you see around you. It's what Anais Nin, the great lover and memoirist of, of uh, Henry Miller, the great author of Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn, said uh, or meant when she said that we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. That's hermeticism, right? That's hermeticism. We don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are, right? And that's some of the great work that has invited me to support with individuals going through this healing journey. And it's what I would hope to give to you a little bit of today, right? To come home and to recognize that the pain, at least a large portion of the pain we see around us can begin to be healed within. And we can turn this quarantine into a homecoming, right? A homecoming and a wrangling of those sub-personalities and an ushering and an invitation of the higher self of, you know, there are many different terms for it, a higher consciousness to usher us through this. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, that's yeah, a quote I found just yesterday. I thought that was kind of nice. It's, it's Ralph Waldo Emerson who said that when nature has work to be done, she creates a genius to do it. So what is the coronavirus a genius, Ralph? Is that what you're saying? Well, you know what's interesting about the word genius is that the original Greek word for genius was demon. It was demon. It was daimon, right? And it meant inner divinity. Socrates spoke about that, that he was guided by his own inner divinity. Socrates was another one who ushered in the higher self. And we gave him hemlock uh, as a result. And so genius and divinity and demon are kind of originally coupled. And demon comes from the original, the root of demon, the prefix of it is da to divide, right? And the rest of it means to provide. So there's, there's also to divide and to provide within that. 
And so this is another kind of deep, deep, deep psychic structure within us that is offering us to usher in that inner divinity for reintegration during a time of division. And so maybe I just invite everyone to take, you know, just a deep breath. Not to try to think too hard about any of that, but just kind of let it wash over us because we can trust this moment. And in so doing, we can, we can upgrade our interpretation of it or we can mistrust it and we can downgrade our interpretation of it. You know, the choice is ours. Uh, the power is really in our hands to upgrade the dream or to downgrade the dream. And that's what I hope maybe we kind of offer you a little bit of today. So maybe I, I just kind of stop there for a second, Dr. Christine, you can. Yeah, no, Zach, you're, you're so um, eloquent in how you describe such complex, um, you know, thoughts. So no, thank you. I'm just sitting here in awe. And, you know, just from kind of my personal lens, you know, it, and I'm just saying this because I'm sure our community is probably feeling this on lots of levels, it's been a real roller coaster of emotions, you know, and I think there's just been, you know, for people who are awake and aware, you know, there's a resistance to accepting all of these aspects you've shared because of maybe just thoughts that are, you know, why, how did we get here? Why are we here? Right. Um, and what I've, I've, I think I finally settled in this week to this, um, you know, acceptance and embracing and really having this be a catalyst for growth on so many levels, not only personal, personal, but also what we can do as a community and a collective. And I, I really believe, you know, that our way out of this and whatever, whatever is ahead is really how do we collectively come together and, you know, dream up a new dream, right? And, you know, if you spend a little bit on Google or in your in inbox, it can look real bleak real quick, <laughs> you know? So it's it's that balance of that, just recognizing the choice and, you know, holding, of course, all the people who are suffering in our heart, but also, you know, how did we get here and how do we really take action to just embrace everything you're saying. And so I guess my, you know, I'd love to, of course, hear what our, our listeners are um, want to discuss, but I think how can we use this quarantine time, especially because it's still very uncertain, you know, I'm in Seattle and, you know, they say May 4th, but, you know, we're, we've learned to know that that could be a moving target that date. And so how do we create a practice or cultivate a practice to really, yeah, have a mind mindful practice to, to integrate and also to feel like we're being proactive to what, you know, a brighter uh, vision of what's ahead. Yeah, I can offer just a few simple tools. Um, the most important thing, of course, is to come together. Right? We have to come together. Um, and I would say, perhaps, if I was to give everyone, once again, who, who have just an array of incredible tools that are out there, something that I would probably say was my number one thing to do is find someone who has a more regulated nervous system than you and entangle with them, right? reach up the nervous system hierarchy, okay? And then connect to those who have less regulated nervous systems than you and be that role model for them, right? This is the only true trickle-down economics that actually works, okay? And that's what we have to embrace. If you go two weeks with a nervous system out of whack, you are extremely in need of an anchor. Go out, find one, reach out to us. We have dozens of practitioners in our roller decks uh, to refer to you, right? You can find the right person who can be there for you to ground you in that higher self, who can be the model to jumpstart, right? That higher self to come in and regulate that system and regulate those sub-personalities of which we all have the projections, the introjections, the complexes, right? Bring the master home and then be there for those who are looking to you, right? And this is the most important thing for, for parents, for organizational leaders, community leaders. You have to have an anchor that you go to, right? That's how we create that web. 
a few other simple things that I think is really useful is uh, create a text thread, right? A good vibes text thread with those who you can love on together, right? And keep the energy pure. Let that roll through, right? Stay off the 24 hour news cycle, right? Rid yourself of that. If you need to check in, check in once a day, but get off of it. Get off of anything that describes the consensus reality, right? Stop refreshing the John Hopkins dashboard. Like you don't need to keep looking at those numbers. Um, create a smaller inner circle of three to five people, right? Who you have on speed dial and actually step into communion with them. These are people with whom you can share your fears with and who will meet that with unconditional loving support. Right, when two or more are gathered, I am present. It's that kind of stuff. You know, no matter what the tradition is, you know, I'm, I embrace all the traditions and they're all very powerful. Um, but yes, you know, the ones that we really need to care for are the ones who are really, as I said, kind of, who have been dependent upon a lot of external, mm, products, stimulus to regulate their system that are now being collapsed, right? So there are a lot of people out there who were relying on certain things that are, that are now no longer available, right? If you know someone in that state, support them, be them, be there for them, and don't force them to try to shift too quickly, right? It's like we have to go gradually, you know? And if they need to do what they need to do to get through this, love them no judgment you judge someone for doing something that they need to do to get through this time you're going to be hurting them so that's another thing that's really really important right just really really care and be compassionate for everyone because that's once again another reflection of the internal psyche okay when the inner world is still um, let's say olympian in the greek god sense of the world right it means that we marginalize the parts of us that are vulnerable or weak. We kick them, we disassociate them. And when that inner landscape is taking place within us, it's how we respond to certain members of our community around us. You know, so someone comes to you and they need to cry and you say, buck up. I don't wanna see those tears, right? You're like an Olympian God that disparages one of the lesser gods, right? You throw a thunderbolt at them. You know, so it's challenging. It's challenging to, to kind of feel that. But what it means is that the true integrated psyche is the table at whom all can eat. You know, someone I like recently who I've been learning from and, and working alongside is um, a man called Michael Conforti, who started the Assisi Institute. He's an archetypal analyst and he's really, he's really quite brilliant. And he told me this, this really beautiful story that kind of encapsulates this. He said, he said he went to confession after like 30 years, hasn't been to confession in 30 years. I mean, he's, you know, he's an archetypal analyst. I mean, he does great work. He's, I think he took his son and he just decided he was going to do it. You know, I, I, I don't even, I mean, I guess he's still a Christian, but he doesn't, he's not really formal or anything. And it's just, it was such a beautiful illustrative point of what I'm talking about in terms of the generic psyche, the healthy ecosystem, the healthy psychic ecosystem. He went and he was kind of joking to himself and thinking, God, I, you know, back in the day, you used to go in and, and, and there used to be a wall and you could kind of speak it through and they wouldn't look at you so you weren't ashamed. Because that's what integration, psychic integration really is, right? It's like we're bringing parts of us that are terrified, that are ashamed, that are angry. We have to bring them to our table and feed them. And he goes and apparently there's no more barrier anymore. There's not that little thing that you speak through. It's just face to face. And he smiled to the priest and he said, you know, Father, it's the first time I've come in 30 years. And he kind of went like that and he went, you know, oh, like, I hope it's okay. I hope you're not going to berate me or anything. And the priest said, it's wonderful that you're back. It's wonderful that you're back. That's how we respond to all of the painful, ashamed, embarrassed, weak, guilty, despicable, 
disgusting, perverted, toxic parts of the self. Every single time one of them comes to us, it's wonderful that you're back. It's wonderful that you're back. Come here, tell me your story and I will give you alms, you know? And that's what de-inflames these parts of, of us, right? De-inflames these sub-personalities that are connected to the emotions, that are connected to the organs, that are connected to the behaviors, that are connected to the life conditions, that are connected to the relationships, that are connected to the children's behaviors, to the community experiences, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So that's once again why the power is in our hands. And I should say one thing I really love about really the community of chronic illness patients that I am a part of <laughs> because I went through my own journey and you know you were there, Dr. Schaffner, back in the day when I went through six, six and a half, seven years of my own journey and my own dark nights when I had already thought I'd been through some dark nights and then physical dark nights came along and they just ground me deeper into it is that after the kicking and screaming and the resentment, right, is that you give into the passion, right? It's an interesting thing that I think those of us who, who appreciate the Christian tradition amongst all of the traditions often forget when we walk into that hallowed space, why is the archetypal symbol that seems to have endured at the heart Christian life? What was the archetypal symbol that they decided to choose to guide us? The passion, right? Jesus on the cross. And we forget when we walk in there. I forget when we walk in there, what a gruesome, horrific, I mean, staggering sight that that is. This is a man whose backbones are breaking, who has had nails driven through his palms. And not just him, but you know, this was, this was the barbarism of the time. And we often forget that when we walk in there. We often forget to feel that in our bones, in our cells, in our heart. The agony that that has become the central symbol. Well, this is what we're experiencing right now, right? And this is kind of our gift that through the passion comes the higher consciousness. If you can just be with it even though the best of us will say, why have you forsaken me? And I'm sorry, Dr. Schaffner, I did not expect this to be so Christian in theme, but I'm following the metaphor from a psycho-spiritual perspective, you know, and it's just taking me along. <laughs> no, it, it being Easter week, I think it's uh, appropriate in all, all ways. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That's probably, probably part of it. Mm. So Zach, let's see, I feel like, well, there was one other thing, I don't, just looking at the time and I wanna give um, the opportunity for questions um, as they come up, but maybe just a little bit of a conversation around our children, right? And how to model right now for our children in a really unprecedented time for them in their lives. And, you know, I was doing an interview with another woman Keisha Ewers, and she was saying, you know, how do we not make this an ace event for our children meeting an adverse childhood experience? And how do we, how do we give them tools and modeling to move through this time? And I know you, you have Coco and you and Jagna are very beautiful parents. And so just any words of wisdom um, from that angle? Yeah, focus on the gift that is embedded and comes with every trauma. Every trauma has a gift, which is not to say we just want to let the traumas roll in, but uh, just embrace that. Just recognize every trauma it has, it's the, kind of the dark side and has a light side of a gift. I always say that the person who's abandoned develops incredible self-resilience. You know, the person whose boundaries are broken has this incredible ability to connect. You know, the person who couldn't be there for themselves has an incredible supernatural ability to care for the others, you know? And so one of the things that's happening now and will be happening a lot is, and the patient population, a lot of chronic illness patients, this is one of the top trends that we see there is, and this is the challenge, right? 
you can have a lot of parents, you know, God bless us all, who um, don't have the regulation ability that the children are looking out for, right? So this is really classic with Gen X, Gen Y, and millennials and their parents, their boomer parents. Um, we yearned for a greater psycho-emotional bandwidth than our parents were capable of giving to us. And that's a challenging thing, right? Because on the one hand, there are going to be some parents who can grow into that. And just to be really clear, what it looks like is, I can't cry for my father. You know, I just want my mom to hold me and I just want to cry. And mom can't. She has not developed a robust enough nervous system to allow her child to cry. If the child cry, mom splits and breaks. And so the child learns to hold that in in order to protect mom, right? And in so doing, um, that's, that's kind of a trauma that I, you know, what happens is the child is basically taught to disassociate what they need to do. I can't do it. And so once again, part of this entire time is to maybe illuminate where we're at, where we're at and what we can do there. There is no generic cookie cutter instruction, right? Right, if you can't, for no fault of your own, sit with your child and let them cry and just hold that sacred space, bring them to the table of you know, brotherly, motherly, fatherly love and give them alms, even if it just means I am there for you. I'm there for you. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm here for you now. I'm not going anywhere. That's kind of a trick for anyone who's really working with the deep psyche of their children. Just speak in the present tense. How are you feeling? What's going on? I'm here for you now. I'm not going anywhere now. I'm right here for you now. The psyche is timeless, right? And we don't really wanna get into conversations about strategy or what if or what if. Don't get into a rational conversation about it. You, we don't know, right? You're not gonna get anywhere. Where you can get to is you can say, I'm there for you now, I love you now. Tell me what you're feeling, tell me what you're going through and just let it wash over you. So if you're, if you're able to, grow your ability to be the parent that burns in the fire of the pain of your child. Let that fire hit you. Be the backbone for them. But then take your own pain to whoever is going to be that greater anchor for you, right? That's that healthy ecosystem we need to step into, right? It's a permaculture, psycho-emotional permaculture system. If you can't do it, you know, I said to someone the other day, there's you know, a father I know who doesn't have the ability to do this. You know, that's okay. That's okay. You know, wonderful that you're back. Wonderful that you're here. Right. And what I recommended was, um, you know, what do you do with your kids? And he said, well, sometimes we play video games. I'm like, well, make it a ritual. Find a video game that you can play with your kids. Right. And, and really get into it together. Get into it again. I said, we're going to do this together. And just connect with them more deeply and really run the gratitude and the appreciation. Do what you need to do there. And it turned into this thing where it was really communal for them. Right? If that's what he can do, then that's what he can do, and that's enough. And we start there. That's absolutely fine. But for those who want to go a little further, this is the time for ceremony non-denominational it has to be spiritual ceremony and all that really means is just sitting looking in the eyes breathing expressing gratitude don't forget that all these practices they slow down time meditation slows down time this is a great moment to slow down time because what trauma does is it speeds up time right and when we speed up time we essentially squander the present and in so doing our life and so one of the great things we can do, not least of all, to support our rest and digest, is to slow down time, right? And of course, once we slow down time, that's when the subpersonalities come up. That's when the projections, that's when the fear. Welcome them, take turns, just you know, the old Buddhist practice. What's coming up is fear, right? What's present is fear. I'm feeling fear, I'm not fear. What's present is fear. What's present is agony. Will you be present to that for me? Will you hold me during this? You know, we share this, share this. 
the last thing I might say about that is just what's really going on right now is we want as much co-regulation as possible. Co-regulation and interdependence, right? Not dependence, right? Not independence, but interdependence, right? That's what supports the system the most. So those are a couple of other few little little thoughts just in the short time we have, Dr. Schafter. No, I love them. And I think that's, you know, such great advice. You know, I'll, I'll be practicing at home tonight. <laughs> my, my daughter doesn't really know uh, what's going on, but this is such a exercise in, you know, the present moment and also just, you know, finding the joy and the light, even though things are heavy and hard right now. And I think our children are such a gift for that. So um, I love it. So Zach, we have just a few minutes and then we'll have to wrap up here. So Judith is asking, what is the name of the archetypal expert you just mentioned, please? Yeah, his name is Michael Conforti. Okay. And he started the Assisi Institute. And I should also mention my two dear friends and mentors down here in Portland, Shannon Pernetti, Diane Steinbrecher. Um, they wrote the book, um, The Treasure Within. And these are women who are, you know, in their 70s. Um, and so I regularly refer them out. And if anybody is looking for a guide during this time, mm -hmm. these, are, these, are, these are the people that I have looked to and I have, who are in my community at that higher level that I go to when I hold my anchor. Um, and so please check them out and please reach out to any of us, obviously, to just get support if you need it. Because during this time, the thing that's going to get us through is greater interpersonal cohesion you know that's it you know and that's tough for those of us in america you know, because we're rebels and we're independent and you know everybody down the block has their own lawnmower and we like it that way um, but this is a time where we want to kind of bring in just kind of reach out to each other you know have the virtual dance party i've been doing virtual dance parties i've been doing virtual dinners things like that, you know, turn on Skype, turn on Zoom, as overloaded as it is. Mm -hmm. And if anyone wants to connect with us, yeah, let us know, because, you know, like you, Dr. Schefter, we're, we're just here stepping up, offering service where we can, because that's, that's what's required. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Zach. And before all of this happened, we have been working together uh, was Zach on an online course that we will, you know, bring to you all when it's the, when the time is right, but he's going to go deeper into all of these themes of the psycho-emotional work, the trauma work, um, family constellation work, especially in the role of autoimmunity and chronic illness. So you'll be hearing more from Zach and how can more people connect with you right now, Zach? I know that um, you've got a lot of wonderful feedback you know in the chat during this talk and people want to learn more about you and your work how can they connect with you right now uh they can just search for my website i don't have too much up anymore uh I'm not currently in a place of putting too many things out uh regularly mm -hmm. just because i brought my work down to a very personal place mm -hmm. i think one of the things that i think people who do psycho spiritual and psychotherapeutic work uh, one of the things that's happening and it's going to continue happening is that we're going to we're going to pull in and keep what we're doing sacred. We're kind of we're going to return back to that inner sanctum type of work of the olden days where I'm not out there tweeting every day um, and not to disparage that either. It's you know it's good works for a lot of people, but I'm not out there constantly trying to talk to everyone. I'm keeping my work very sacred and very contained. And it does something that can creates an energy that builds up, you know. Um, and I think um, that's valuable for the kind of the deep work that we do. And once again, just thank you, Dr. Schaffner, for the invitation. Oh no, thank you for showing up so so fully. I, I know that um, I know you're quite busy, and I know this is just such we we've been we haven't uh, put this type of information out there right now, and I think it's just so needed and everyone was craving this so no you did such a wonderful job so thank you thank you so much yeah thank you everyone for um everyone who showed up live with us today we're grateful and all the wonderful feedback and we'll be connecting soon and i'll be doing this type of presentation once a week now and we'll continue to you know 
cultivate a community and host leaders and luminaries um, during this time. So thank you for spearheading this, Zach. You were, you, you, you set the bar pretty high, so thank you. <laughs> and I've just been scrolling through all the comments. Um, thank you so much, everyone. You're so kind and just, yeah, deep bow to all of you guys. Really, really grateful to be part of this community with you. Thank you.